الحمد لله رب العالمين له له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Insha'Allah ta'ala, we're going to carry on the introduction to fiqh and its historical development. Today, insha'Allah ta'ala, we're going to speak about the concept of at-tamadhub, following a madhab. Today, we're going to speak about at-tamadhub, following a following a madhab and what is the correct stance in following a madhab are you allowed to follow a madhab are you not allowed to follow a madhab if you do follow a madhab which one should you follow and etc the questions that people may ask i hope to answer it inshallah ta'ala in this session first thing that we have to all agree upon is our religion it stands on ala aslaini azimaini. It stands on two foundations. Our religion, it stands on two great foundations. Without it, your religion goes. The first of them is tajiridu tawhidi lillahi ta'ala. To single Allah in oneness. To single Allah in ibadah. And the second foundation in which it stands on is وسلم, and following the Prophet. So our religion it stands on those two foundations. The first one is that you only worship Allah Azza wa Jal, you don't associate partners with Him. And the second thing is to follow. The Messenger alayhi salatu, alayhi salatu wassalam. That is what the religion revolves around. And the textual evidences, meaning the Quran and the Sunnah, because of these two, it divided the people into two. Because of those two foundations, the people broke into two. Ahlu Sunnati wal Jama'ah, those who hold on to the, the two principles that we mentioned. And so they are the guided people. They are referred to as what? As Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah. And the opposite of them is Ahlul Bid'ati wal Furqah. The people of innovation. Who didn't come with those two fundamental principles that our religion stands on. So Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah became what? They became the ones known to do what? They became the ones who was found in them tajridu tawhid lillahi ta'ala wa ittiba'i lin-nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to single Allah in worship and to follow the prophet alayhi alayhi salatu wa salam and so because of that ahlus sunnah they gave precedence to the kitab and the sunnah over every speech every opinion every analogy Every political stances, every sentence, senses, 
and every rational observation. They gave the Quran and the Sunnah precedence over that. And the evidence in which they followed in this regard is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jalla Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu ati'u allaha wa ati'u al-rasoola wa ulil amri minkum fa in tanaza'tum fi shay'in farudduhu ila allahi wa al-rasoola in kuntum tu'minuna billahi wal yawm al-akhir thalika khayru wa ahsanu ta'wila They follow that verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says O oh, those of you who believe obey Allah and obey the messenger وَأُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ And obey those who have authority of, over you. If you look at that verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those of you who believe, أَطِيعُوا اللَّهَ Obey Allah. وَأَطِيعُوا الرَّسُولَ And obey the messenger. Ponder here. Obey Allah and obey the what? Why was the obedience repeated twice? Obey Allah and then obey the Prophet. But when it came to the Ulil Amri, the word obedience didn't come because Allah and His Messenger are obeyed unrestrictedly. Whereas what Ulil Amri mean come, they are only obeyed as long as they are in what? In line with Allah and His Messenger. And the Ulul Amri mean come here are those who have authority over you as the leaders and the scholars. And the scholars. So the scholars are obeyed when they are what? When they're in line with Allah and His, Allah and His Messenger. And then Allah says, فَإِن تَنَازَعْتُمْ If you dispute one another, difference of opinion occurs between any, any one of you. What should you do? فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ Bring it back to Allah. How do you bring it back to Allah? Bring it back to the Qur'an. And how do you bring it back to the Prophet? فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ How do you bring it to the Prophet after he died? You bring it back to his? You bring it back to his sunnah? as Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah mentioned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also said in the ayah, اتبعوا ما أنزل إليكم من ربكم ولا تتبعوا من دونه أولياء قليلا ما تذكرون. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said, اتبعوا فلو ما أنزل إليكم من ربكم that which has come to you from your Lord ولا تتبعوا and do not follow من دونه besides Allah أولياء righteous people. Don't follow them. Follow Allah and His Messenger. Meaning, if they go against that which Allah and His Messenger say. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also said, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, la tuqaddimu bayna yadayillahi wa rasoolih. Wattaqullah, inna allaha sami'un alim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, those of you who believe, don't put anyone's speech before Allah and His Messenger. لا تقدموا بين يدي الله ورسوله تقدموا what does it mean don't put anything before Allah and his messenger and then Allah says واتقوا الله be conscious of Allah and fear him in doing this also Allah تبارك وتعالى he said فليحذر الذين let those be cautious فليحذر الذين يخالفون عن أمره those who are opposing Allah and his messengers way let them be cautious What's, what, what should they be cautious of? فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةً أو يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ they will, they will go through fitna or they will go through what? A severe punishment. Later, inshallah ta'ala, we will see what is meant by fitna. 
and what the scholars explained to be fitrah. Those ayat, what does it show us and what does it benefit us? To follow the Quran and the, the Sunnah. Al Imam al Bukhari and Muslim narrated Min hadith Abu Huraira, the hadith of Abu Huraira. Two women, two women fought one another. And they were from the tribe of Hudayl. They were from the tribe of Hudayl. Meaning they threw something at each other, a rock. And one of the women died. And that woman was pregnant. And when she died, so did the child in her womb die as well. So the Prophet wasallam, he commanded, I mean, he judged that the woman, of course there's blood money. And also for the child, there's a blood money. So, a companion, he said to the Prophet, he said, his name was Hamlu ibn Nabigah, after the Prophet gave a judgment. He said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, كَيْفَ أَغْرَمُ مَنْ لَا شَرِبَ وَلَا أَكَلَ وَلَا نَطَقَ وَلَا استهل. How am I going to give blood money to a child that hasn't drunk, hasn't drink, he hasn't had any water, nor has he eaten food? Nor has it spoken. It's more appropriate that that child is thrown and I don't have to pay, pay blood money for it. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, This man is from the brothers of the soothsayers. Soothsayers. And the reason why he said that is because Because of how he tried to make his speech rhyme in opposing the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam So the Prophet didn't allow anyone to oppose his speech Alayhi salatu wasalam. And the Sahabas They took that on board They took that on board Abdullah ibn Abbas He commanded the people fil hajj. He commanded the people Hajjul tamattu' Hajj Has types And one of the types of hajj Is called hajjul tamattu' Abdullah ibn Abbas, he commanded the people to do Hajjul Tamatur. So a person stood up and he opposed Abdullah ibn Abbas. He went against Abdullah ibn Abbas. And he said to him, he said to Ibn Abbas, Inna Aba Bakrin wa Umara, Abu Bakr and Umar, they used to prohibit both of them and Hajjul Tamatur. Both of them were against Hajjul Tamatur. Fakala. Abdullah ibn Abbas and then he said Arahum sayahalikun I see these people are going to be destroyed Ibn Abbas is saying this I see that you people will be destroyed Aqulu I say to you Qala Rasulullah I say to you the Prophet said Wayaqulu and then one of you would say to me Naha Abu Bakr wa Umar Abu Bakr and Umar prohibited Meaning are you going to go against that which the Prophet said with the statement of who? A shaykhan. The best of this ummah after the Prophet alayhi, alayhi salatu wasalam, Abu Bakr and Umar. Abdullah ibn Umar, the same thing. He would command Hajjul Tamattu' and they came up to him and they said to him, your father, Umar radiallahu anhu, he doesn't allow it. And then he said to them, Afakitabullahi, is my father more deserving to be followed or the kitab of Allah Azza wa Jalla? 
Because in the Quran, what did Allah say? فَمَنْ تَمَتَّعَ بِالْعُمْرَةِ إِلَى الْحَجِّ فَمَسْتَيْسَرَ مِنَ الْهَدِي So are we going to follow my father Umar? Or are we going to follow the book of Allah? Azza wa Jalla. Al-Imam al-Bayhaqiyu narrated in his sunan al-Khubra. Ubaidat ibn Samit radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, he prohibited, based on the Prophet's prohibition, dirhamayni bi dirham. Two dirhams to be exchanged for one dirham. Because that is money that you cannot do that for. You can't. This is aynul riba. It becomes riba, right? Gold, you cannot change. Silver, the same. So he said, anna nabiyya, Ubadah ibn Samitin, he said that the Prophet prohibited dirhamayni bidirham. Two dirhams to be given for one, dir- one dirham. The Prophet prohibited this. Faqala rajulun, a man stood up. And then he said, ma ara bihada ba'sa. I don't see a problem in this. What's the problem? If two parties are both happy with it, what is the problem? And then Ubadat ibn Samitin, he said, أَقُولُ قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ I am saying to you, the Prophet said, وَتَقُولُ And then you come and you respond to me by saying, لَا أَرَى بِهِ بَأْسًا I see no problem with it. وَاللَّهِ لَا يُذِلُّنِي وَإِيَّاكَ سَقْفٌ أَبَدًا وَاللَّهِ Me and you will never come under the shame roof again. Get out of my face. وَاللَّهِ No roof will shade both of us together. Get out of my face. Al-Imam al-Darimiyu narrated this in his Sunan. So the Salaf were like that. Sahabat Rasulillah. When it came to ta'zim al-nusus, venerating, glorifying the text over everybody. Walidhalika Abi Salama, he narrated Abu, that Abu Huraira, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, al-wudu'u mimma masatin nar. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, to do wudu' from the thing that the fire that went through the fire to do wudu from whatever is cooked on the fire he mentioned this hadith Abdullah ibn Abbasin radiyallahu ta'ala anhu a noble companion he said ya Abu Huraira Abdullah ibn Abbas said to Abu Huraira ana tawadda'u min al-duhni ana tawadda'u min al-hamimi should we do wudu from hot water you said anything that goes through water, we have to do wudu from. Does that mean we have to do wudu from water? Hot water. Trying to oppose what the Prophet said, right? So he said, Abu Huraira then said to him, Yabna Akhi, Ida Samirta Hadith Amir Rasulillah ibn Abbas. If you hear a hadith from the Prophet of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Fala Tadribu Lillahil Amsal. Don't give Allah a parable. Don't give Allah an example. And Imam Al-Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah narrated this and Sheikh Nasir authenticated in Sahih Ibn Majah. Ibn Sirin, Qatada narrated, he said, Haddath Ibn Sirina, Muhammad Ibn Sirin, he narrated from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, فَقَالَ رَجُلٌ أَيْمَانٌ stood up and he said, قَالَ فُلَانٌ كَذَا وَكَذَا After he narrated what the Prophet said, a man stood up and said, but so and so said this, and so and so said this. And Ibn Sirin said, I am telling you what the Prophet said. And you're telling me what so and so said. I'm never going to speak to you. And Muhammad Ibn Sirin from that day onwards never spoke to that man. Shaykh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah he then said, 
it is Majmu'ul Fatawa. He said, Min ma an'am Allahu. One of the greatest things Allah blessed, meaning Ahlul Sunnah, is I'tisamu bil kitab wa sunnah. How they hold on to the kitab and the sunnah. فَكَانَ مِنَ الْأُصُولِ الْمُتَّفَقِ عَلَيْهَا بَيْنَ الصَّحَابَةِ وَالتَّابِعِينَ لَهُمْ بِإِحْسَانِ One of the things that the companions and the students of the companions all agreed upon which was أَلَّا يُقْبَلُ That it's not accepted. أَنَّهُ لَا يُقْبَلُ مِنْ أَحَدٍ قَطُّ أَنْ يُعَارِضَ الْقُرْآنَ لَا بِرَأِيهِ وَلَا ذَوْقِهِ وَلَا مَعْقُولِهِ وَلَا قِيَاسِهِ وَلَا وَجْدِهِ That anyone can go against the Quran and the Sunnah with his logic, with he, whatever he thinks, his opinions, with his analogy, and etc. This is something they all agreed upon. Here the question is, can I oppose the Quran and the Sunnah? Based on a statement of an imam, I follow a madhab, so my madhab says this. Can I? Let's look at what the Salaf were in regards to this issue and how they saw it. Al Imam Tirmidhi in his Sunan, Al Imam Tirmidhi, he mentions in his Sunan, he says, وَسَمِعْتُ أَبَا سَائِبٍ I heard Abu Sa'ibin say, he mentions this, يَقُولُ سَيْن كُنَّا عِنْدَ وَكِيعٍ We were with Wakir. Ibn Jarrah al-Ru'asi فَقَالَ لِرَجُلٍ عِنْدَهُ مِمَّنْ يَنْظُرُ إِلَى الرَّأِيِ أَمَّا مِمَّنْ يَنْظُرُ فِي الرَّأِيِ Wakir said to a man who used to look into opinions. And Ahlul Ra'i was a madrasad which we'll speak about later when we speak about the madhab of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa and others. Anyways, Wakir mentioned the permissibility of Ish'aril Budb to place a mark on the Budn. Budn is the animal that's going to be slaughtered for the Hadi in Hajj. To place a mark on it. So when he mentioned that this is a sunnah from the Prophet of the Prophet of Allah, Nabilah Muhammad, Waqi', a man stood up and he said, Ibrahim al-Nakha'i, who's a tabi'i, Jaleel, a noble tabi'i. He said, Al-Ish'aru Muthlah, to make a mark on an animal is mutilation. And mutilation for the animal is not allowed. You can't cut an animal's nose and ears. You can't mutilate an animal. So placing a mark on it, is, it falls under mutilation, is not permissible. Waqi' and Abu said, Waqi' became excessively angry. And then he said, laka, I am saying to you, Qala Rasulullah, the messenger said, وَتَقُولُ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ And you're telling me, Ibrahim al he said, مَا أَحَقَّكَ Your rights, what you deserve right now is, بِأَن تُحْبَسَ That you get prisoned, you get put behind bars. ثُمَّ لَا تَخْرُجُ And then you do not come out from prison. حَتَّى يَنْزِعَ عَنْ قَوْلِكَ هَذَا Unless you come back from what you just said. That's how harsh they were. Listen to this. This is the most shocking thing that you come across. Ibn Abi Dhi'bin, something he said about Imam Malik. Who's Imam Malik? Imam Malik is Imam Dar al-Hijrah. Imam Malik, Sahib al-Muwatta. Imam Malik is al-Najmu. He's a star in Sunnah. Sahih. Al-Imam Malik, when it came to Majlis al-Khiyar, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Al-Bayyani, that the two transactions 
of the two people is based upon bilkhiyari. Malam yatafarraqa, as long as they don't depart from one another. صح? When two people buy from one another, they have time which they can come back from their view and say, you know what? Give me back my money. I don't want the, I don't want the product. The person has a what? That majlis. Imam Malik, this hadith, he didn't accept it. Of course, he has his own interpretation and his own reasons. Okay? Like Ibn Abi Dhibbin said something very powerful. When he was told, and Imam al Dhabi mentioned in his seer, Alam al let me read it. قال أحمد بن حنبلين بلغ ابن أبي ذئب it reached ابن أبي ذئب a great imam who is equivalent to Imam Malik or close to Imam Malik أن مالك لم يأخذ بحديثي that Imam Malik did not take the hadith البيعان بالخيار he didn't take this hadith Imam Malik فقال ابن أبي ذئب he said يستتاب Malik is told to repent فإن تاب if he repents then that's good وإلا ضرب عنقه except or, or else Imam Malik is killed. Or else? And Imam Malik is killed for, that, for, for going against the Prophet's hadith. That's Imam Malik. Look what Imam Ahmed said straight after that. And Imam Dhabi mentions in his Nisira Ala Minu Bala. He said, Ahmed ibn Hanbal, he said, Ibn Abi Dhibbin is right in this issue. He has more wara' and he's more safer in this issue than Imam Malik. But Imam Dhabi didn't like that. And he said, If Ibn Abi Dhibbin had wara' kama yambighi as it was, lama qala hadha al-kalam al-qabih fi haqqi imamin azimin, he would never have said something filthy like that regarding a great imam such as, you know, Imam Dhabi, when you read his seer, sometimes he gets angry of some people's statements that they say. And he gives a ta'qib. He says, if Ibn Abi Dhibbin is a person who is righteous and he has wara in his statement, then he wouldn't have said this about Imam Malik. Ala kulli hal, the point I want to get from this story is how they were strong and harsh and tough in the issue of following the Nusus al Wahyain and the fact that you're not allowed to go against the Kitab and the Sunnah. For whatever opinion that you think is out there, if it goes against the Quran and the Sunnah. Here the question is, brothers, now. This is a golden question. Which is some people, it seems as though when they look at all of those statements and when they look at those evidences that I brought, that it only refers to the people of knowledge and not the ignorant ones. That the ayah that I mentioned, those verses and many other verses, they look at it as though it's only for the scholars. And that the Amatun Nas, they are not being spoken to here. And that's incorrect. Everybody should follow the Quran and the Sunnah. Whoever that person may be, whether he's a person who has no knowledge or whether he's a person who has great knowledge. Everybody has to follow the Quran and the Sunnah. But the way that everyone has to follow it, 
is different, la shak. And that needs tafsil, which we'll come to. Here there's an important, another second question, which is, some people, when it comes to those evidences that I brought, they look at it as though it's only referring to issues which are aqidah, masail which are qat'i, clear-cut issues, and that it's not referring to fiqh issues. Meaning the Qur'an and the sunnah is not really followed in fiqh issues. You can follow the qawl of a madhab and an imam and what he said. And that dalil has to only be followed in issues of what? Aqeedah. That's as though some people's statement or that's how they come across what they say. Sahih? Correct? And that's not true. Because all of those evidences is referring to what? Al-masail al-ilmiyyah and also al-masail al-amaliyyah. Aqeedah and fiqh, both. And the Salaf, if you really look at them, you actually find when it comes to these issues of following the Qur'an and the Sunnah, the overwhelming majority of times, they were referring to a people who went against a fiqh issue, not actually an aqidah issue. Are we all together, brothers? If you go and read the great noble book, I'lamul Muqqi'in, written by Ibn al-Qayyim, you actually find that the majority of the times the things that were spoken about were fiqh issues, which they were staunch and tough on, not necessarily aqidah issues. Here I want to mention some statements of the Salaf in this issue. And Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, he said something very powerful. He said, liqawmin, I am fascinated with the people. Who is saying this? And Imam Ahmad is saying it. Liqawmin, I am fascinated with the people. Araful isnada, they know the chain. Wasihatahu, and they know its authenticity, whether it's sahih or da'if. They know it. Yadhabuna, and then they go. Ila Sufyan. Then they go and they take this view of Sufyan authority. They know the chain. They know the hadith. They know its authenticity. They know it and then they leave that. And they go to whose view? They go to Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahullah ta'ala. And then he recited the ayah, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةً أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ And Imam Ahmad al said, أَتَدْرِيمَ الْفِتْنَةً Do you know what the fitna is? الْفِتْنَةُ الشِّرْك The fitna here is shirk. How is it shirk? Because لَعَلَّهُ إِذَا رَدَّ بَعْضُ قَوْلِهِ أَنْ يَقَعَ فِي قَلْبِهِ one dalil, if you reject it, you're going to reject 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, and you're going to go. And then you're going to come up with the view that we should only take the Quran. And then after that, you just walk away from the religion. And that's how it starts. Rejecting one evidence. The, t- turning away from one evidence. So don't believe, don't believe to one dalil. ولذلك, the person who wants the haqq, he will take one evidence if it's brought to him and that was, that's enough for him. One evidence is enough for him. The same way, he won't go against one evidence. Here, another point that we want to go into, these madhahibul fiqhiyah that we see, madhahib al-imam Abu Hanifa, madhahib al-imam Malik rahimahullah, al-imam al-shafi'i, and al-imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal rahimahullah. These madhahibs, and if we add a fifth one which we're going to mention, inshallah ta'ala, madhab al-zahiriyyah. I'm going to speak about these four, five madhabs, and we do believe that there are five madhabs. 
Some scholars don't believe that. And it's a khilaf whether this fifth one can be counted or not. But that's a side point. These five madahibs, they came about. But they came after the three noble generation. They came after that. Ba'da quruni, after al-quruni al-ula al-mufaddala. They came after the three noble generation. They came after khayru nasi qarni thumma alladhina yalunahum thumma alladhina yalunahum. They came after that. They spread after, this is where these madhabs came. The students of these imams spread their madhabs. And they're the ones who combined it. They're the ones who collected it. They're the ones who then looked into it and brought principles out of it. وَمَا إِلَىٰ ذَلِكَ And then they became the four madhabs, the five madhabs that are followed. There were other madhabs. There were other madhabs. Such as Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah, he had a madhab. And Al-Imam al-Awza'i, he had a madhab. Al-Layth ibn Sa'ad had a madhab. Ishaq ibn Rahuyat had a madhab. Abu Thawr had a madhab. These are madhabs that existed. Lakin in darasa, it perished. And it went. Walam yamtadda, and it didn't spread like these four madhabs spread. These four madhabs, they spread until today we see them. But the question is, just because these four madhabs are present till today from that time till now, does it mean that the haqq is in these four madhabs? Does it mean that because the other madhabs went, that's an indication and an evidence that the haqq is restricted to these four imams, al-imam Abu Hanifa and al-imam Malik, Shafi'i and Ahmed and that the haqq is not outside this is that what it means? does it mean that these madhabs are hujjah a proof that we should follow? does it show that we have to follow these madhabs? and does it also show any other madhab other than these four are weak? is that what it shows? no it doesn't and there's something I want you to all memorize inshallah ta'ala which is these madhabs spreading and staying till today is a amrun kawniyun la shar'iyun. It's a universal issue. And it's not a legislational issue. It's a universal thing. It's from Allah's way of doing things. Allah has a sunnah, a way that he does things subhanahu wa ta'ala, a path in which he does things subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so these four madhabs spreading is a universal issue and you're not allowed to use a universal issue to make it a legislational matter ihfadu memorize this point you are not allowed to use a universal issue and say that because universally this happened it must be this shar'an I'll give you an example Somebody can say, I went to the grave so-and-so and I asked him for a child. I've been asking it for 10 years and Allah gave me a child. So that means it's permissible for me to ask the dead. What did he use? He used the universe. Something happened for him. And so this universal thing is making him say what? The permissibility of this issue. And that's something we should stay away from. Yes, yes. You can use a universal sign 
to prove a textual evidence, to strengthen a textual evidence. There's a delete in this issue, and then you're trying to prove a universal sign to support it. Are we all together? Such as Allah Ta'ala, He destroys the oppressors. And then you bring an example and you say, look at these oppressors, Allah destroyed them. That's permissible. But to make the ruling for something which has no textual evidence, but your evidence here is a universal evidence, this is not correct. Does that, is that, does that make sense? Does everyone understand that point? That's very important that we understand it. So the question here is why did these four madhabs spread and not the rest? The reason why these four madhabs spread is because they venerated and glorified the textual evidence, the Quran and the Sunnah. That doesn't mean the other imams didn't. But these four imams, they stuck by the textual evidence, the Quran and the Sunnah. And they honored it and they glorified it. And because of that, Allah Taala allowed their statements and their views to spread. Not because they are infallible and they're free from mistakes. That's not why it spread. And that's not why it continued. That is not why it continued. Let me give you some examples of how they respected and honored and venerating their textual evidences. Ibn al-Qayyim said, وَقَدْ The four Imams, Abu Hanifa, Malik, Shafi'i, and Ahmed, four of the Imams, all of them prohibited to be blindfolded. All four of them said, no one should blindfold us. And they rebuked. And all four of them rebuked anyone who took their statements without any proof. They rebuked that. How dare you do that? The four imams did that. Ibn Hazm, he said in his kitab, Al-Ihkam, Fi Usul Al-Ihkam, وَقَدْ ذَكَرْنَا أَنَّ مَالِكًا وَأَبَا حَنِيفَةً Malik, Abu Hanifa, Shafi'i, they did not blindfold anyone. Nor did they allow anyone to blindfold them. And they also didn't allow anyone to blindfold anyone else. وَلِذَلِكَ They said لَا يَحِلُّ لِأَحَدٍ It is not permissible for anyone أَنْ يَأْخُذَ بِقَوْلِنَا To take our statements مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمْ مِنْ أَيْنَ أَخَذْنَاهُ If he doesn't know where we took it from No one should take our statements if he doesn't know where we took it from Ibn Abdul Barr mentions in his kitab Al-Intiqa' That they said لَا يَحِلُّ لِمَنْ يُفْتِي مِنْ كُتُبِ أَنْ يُفْتِي حَتَّى يَعْلَمَ مِنْ أَيْنَ قُلْتُ It is not permissible for anybody to give a fatwa from my book until he knows where I took it from and why I said it and what was my reason behind it. Al-Imam Malik, he said, Inama ana bashar. Al-Imam Malik is saying this. I am a human being. Ukhti'u, I get it wrong. Wa usibu, and I get it right. Fanduru fi ra'i, look at my opinion. Fakullu ma wafaq al-kitab wa sunnah everything that is in line with the kitab and the sunnah who take it and everything that is not in line with the kitab and the sunnah 
and is not in agreement with the kitab and the sunnah, leave it, abandon it. Ibn Abdul Mar mentions that in his kitab, Jam'u Bayan al-Ilmi wa Fadli. And Imam al-Shafi'i said, a statement that deserves to be written in ink of gold. He said, al muslimuna the Muslims are unanimously in agreement. Ala anna man istabanat lahu sunnatan ar Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama that anyone who the Quran and the Sunnah becomes clear to him. This is ijma', there's no khilaf. Anyone who the Quran and the Sunnah becomes clear to him. And the man is tamanat lahu sunnatun ar Rasulillahi lam yakun lahu. It is not permissible for him after the Quran has become clear to you and the Sunnah became clear to you. After that, it is not permissible for you. You cannot leave it for the speech of anyone. Whoever that person is, however high he is, even if it's Abu Bakr and Umar. If the Quran and the Sunnah said something and it becomes clear to you, you can't leave it for the statement, the statement of anyone. They also said, If a hadith is authentically transmitted from the Prophet, then take it and leave our speech and our statement. Ibn Hazm, he mentioned Bisanadi with his chain and Al Maziniyu that Al Imam Shafi'i he prohibited. And Shafi'i said to his students, "Don't blind follow me, and don't blind follow anyone else. Don't." With that, Imam Suyutiyu has a kitab called Al Raddu Ala Man Akhlada. He has a book which he refutes a people who said that the, 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 the chapter of Ijtihad, independent reasoning, is closed. You can't look at the Quran and the Sunnah, all you have to do is blind follow. He refuted them. And he brought the statement of Abu Shama. Abu Shama, he said, Naha. Imamuna, our Iman prohibited us. Our Imam, he prohibited us. Ya'ni Shafi'i, and Imam Shafi'i, and Taqlidi to blind follow him. Wa Taqlidi ghayrihi, and to blind follow other than him. And many other statements. Imam Ahmad, he said, La tuqalliduni, wa la tuqallid malikan, wa la thawri, wa la al-awza'i, khudh min haythu akhadu, and he also said, min qillati fiqqi rajuli to show you a person's fiqh is very little. They don't have good fiqh. Is and that he blind follows men. And then he said, لا تقلد دينك أحداً. Don't ever blind follow anyone. And because of that, Imam Ahmed never wrote his madhab and he never allowed his madhab to be written. Imam Ahmed. Ibn al-Qayyim, look what he said. He said, ولأجل هذا لم يؤلف الإمام أحمد And because of that, Imam Ahmed did not author Fil fiqhi in his infiqh. He didn't author. And Imam Ahmad did not write kitaban fil fiqh, a book in fiqh. وَإِنَّمَا دَوَّنَ أَصْحَابُهُ His students came and they authored it. They authored his madhab. مِنْ أَقْوَالِهِ وَأَفْعَالِهِ From his speeches and his actions. وَأَجْوِبَتِهِ And his verdicts. The answers he gave. وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكَ عَنْ أَرْضِ ذَنَاتِ And Imam Ahmad didn't even do it. And if you look at Imam Ahmad's madhab, the scholars, they break it into two, three. Tabaqa, which are known as the Tabaqa to Al-Mutaqaddimin, the early generation. And that starts from Al-Imam Ahmed up to Al-Qadi Abu Ya'la. And Tabaqa Al-Mutawassita is from Al-Qadi Abu Ya'la up to 
ابن مفلح الحفيد and from the third one is طبقة المتأخرين the last generation it starts from على الدين الماوردي who died in 885 up to الإمام منصور ابن إدريس البهوتي رحمه الله who did the شرح of the كتاب المنتهى منتهى الإرادات so even if you look at مذهب الإمام أحمد today that many people are studying today وللأسف الشديد just to show you something Today, the madhab al-Imam Ahmed that you're studying, it goes back to tabaqatul mutaakhirin. No one really goes to the level high. They stick with the last level, which is the level of who? Abu Ya'la, Alauddin al-Mawardiyu, Ali ibn Sulaiman al-Mawardiyu. They stick with his aqwal. And then Ibn Najjar and al-Hajawi in al-Iqna' and al-Muntaqa. They rarely go back to the kalam of even hatta Muwafuqudin ibn Qudamah who authored the kitab Al-Mughni and Al-Umdah and Al-Kafi and Al-Muqni' So the point I'm trying to come to brothers here right now is that was a side point is all of those A'immah were very staunch and they were very tough when it came to what? Following the Quran and the Sunnah and venerating the Quran and the Sunnah over what? Over the speech of anybody The Quran and the Sunnah should be given precedence Now I want to mention something Because all of that looks like I'm against Madhab, right? Doesn't it look? It does Ah, let me come back to a point now And this is very important because Those who teach Madhab And this is something I would say It's necessary That they nurture the people with the veneration of the Quran and the Sunnah and the honoring of the Quran and the Sunnah and the importance of following the Quran and the Sunnah and that the person doesn't straight away open a book in fiqh and say qala al-imamu first halaqa before you start the book he should teach the people the importance of the Quran and the Sunnah and how it should be followed and that this is something that everyone should follow he should build and place that in the hearts of the people and then inshallah ta'ala if he wants to teach it then no problem here now I want to mention something. Kutubul Madhab, the books of Madhabs, whether it be Madhab al Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, and Shafi, and Ahmed, is it is a path which is easy. Kutubul Madhab is an easy way to gain fiqh without a doubt. That is the issue. Two goats will not headbutt one another on. Ah, it's a musallam. That kutubul madhahib and kutubul madhab, it's an easy way. Ashalu tariqin wa aysaruha. It's the easiest and the most simplest of way to gain fiqh. But the question is, is it the only way to gain fiqh? No. So please distinguish these two things from one another. Those who say, that you have to study a fiqh and that's the only way to understand the Qur'an and the Sunnah and those who say, no, that's not the only way. There are other ways, but the best and the easiest is to study through fiqh. Do you see the difference? Some are saying, As-sabilu al-wahid li-talab al-ilm to gain knowledge wa-tafaqquh and to have understanding 
is through madhabs. There's no other way. And another group is saying, no, there are other ways. And we're going to show other ways that there are. Okay? There are other ways. But the easiest, the simplest, is without a doubt. No one can deny that. It is through following a madhab and going through a madhab. That is the easiest way. That is the easiest way. But here the question is, and it's a common question that is asked, following the madhab, is it wajib? Is it wajib to follow madhab? Isn't that a common question that's asked? No. No, it's not obligatory. Why? Because anyone who says it's obligatory, he's talking about hukmun shar'i. Hukum shar'i, which is taklifi. He's given a jurisprudent ruling. And the wujub, the obligation goes back to where? Al-Quran, sunnah wa ijma'u al-ummah. The Quran and the Sunnah and the Ijma' can only make something obligatory, right? So here, following the four A'immatul Arba'ah, you have to be upon a madhab. The person has to bring it from the Quran or the Sunnah, or they have to bring us a consent. They have to bring us a consent. Will they be able to bring a Quran in this issue? Can they? Who came first, the four Imams or the Quran and the Sunnah? So the Quran and Sunnah cannot support that. Sah? And as for Ijma', then it can't be the Ijma' of the Sahabas because they were after the Sahabas. Are we all together? So here the question is the following of madhabs is not obligatory at all. But it's permissible. It's a wasila, it's a means. It's a path you can take, but it's not obligatory, it's not wajib. And those who have said that it's wajib are the muta'asibin of the usulid. They are people who are fanatic from the usulid who say that. Lakin, you will never come across a scholar who is a muhaqqiq who will say such a speech. Never. A scholar who is a muhaqqiq, mudaqqiq, will never say something like that. Will never say something like that. Another question now. Is the truth restricted to these four? It's another question, right? Which is a mas'ala the scholars speak about, which is, inhisarul haqq. Is the truth restricted to these four? Meaning it doesn't leave any of those four. If Ahmad didn't say it, Shafi'i said it. If Shafi'i didn't say it, Abu Hanifa said it. If Abu Hanifa didn't say it, Malik said it. It's with one of them. Are we all together? To the extent that if these, to the extent that they say if these four agree with each other on an issue, it has to be a consensus and we have to follow it. Are we all together? Here the question is, this issue would need a delete from the Quran and the Sunnah and the Ijma' and of course that cannot be found from the Quran or the Sunnah or the Ijma'. So what can they use? Those who say that the truth is restricted to the four Imams. The only thing that they could use that's left for them is universal. The universal signs. 
What do I mean by the universal signs? That they say scholars have come generations after generations and they've been following these four madhabs, not any other madhab. And here it takes us back to something we mentioned before, which was what? Can you use a universal sign for a shari ruling? Can you? Are you allowed to? There's the tatabul ulama, because the, followers, the scholars have followed on this issue and that they studied these books. Does it show that the truth is restricted to this? No. Rather, opposite is true, which we'll come to later, inshallah ta'ala. I'm going to prove it even more. Later, Another group of people will come and they will say, these books, madhab books that we have in front of us, they have been worked on. It's principles. Its foundations have been worked on centuries, decades. And it has gone through the test of time. So they say, we will say all that has proven is not that it's obligatory to follow it. It hasn't proven that. Nor did it prove that the truth is restricted in those four. It hasn't proven that. But the thing that it has proved for us is that these madhabs are mutakamil. That mashallah, it's complete. It's been really served. It's been taken care of. The, the Allah has protected this imam's speech. That's all that can be said about it. But it doesn't prove that the haq is restricted with these four. Nor does it prove that it's obligatory to follow those four. The only thing that it does prove for us is that it's easier to follow it. And also, and that it's also a madhab that has a Imams whose works have been worked on and it has been completed. Okay? But it doesn't show that you have to follow it. And sometimes these are the things that they use for you. They say to you, Akhi, look at these madhabs. This book started from this place and it went through this and then this. And these scholars are at least a decade, uh, 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 1,000 years ago before us. Or they've been these many years before us. And look at these books. We'll say that these books are good and they're easy to read or to go on and to benefit from. But it doesn't show that it's obligatory to follow it, nor does it show that the truth is restricted, restricted in it. Another point that I want to prove is, if you look at today, you actually find some of the majami' al-fiqhiyah, and you look at the mu'assasat al-ilmiyah, and the dur al-iftah. So in some Muslim countries, they actually give fatwa other than the Fu'a'imatul Arba'a, what they believe. Outside it. Some of the big, like Azhar, like Hayat Kibarul Ulama, like Rabidat Alim al Islami, like Majma'ul Fiqhi, some of them give fatwas in issues that are, that are in opposition to the four madhabs, all of them. Example Talaqu Thalath, the three talaq, that it happens as one. Even if the person intended three, this is against the four imams. And this is the fatwa given by some of the majami al fiqiyah. So they don't believe that the truth is restricted with the four. Are we all together, brothers? This madhab is a madhab that's 
Umar who believed it and before him and Shaykh Islam Taymiyyah pushed it a will together Lakin Imam Abu Hanifa and Malik and Shafi and Ahmed all four of them don't believe that a will together brothers and this is one of the issues that Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah because of it he went behind prison he went to prison for it also the issue of Musabakatul Khayri Wal Ibn the racing of the horse and the camel without having to bring a third one which is known as the muhallil you don't bring a muhallil without it the racing of the horses the permissibility or not the, 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 sorry, the permissibility of the horse racing and the camel racing without a muhallil this is not madhab of the a'imatul arba'ah this is the view of Abu Ubaidah and also Ibn Al-Qayyim in his kitab Al-Furusiyah he wrote a whole book on it are we all together? Some Jam'ul Fiqih give this fatwa. Are we all together, brothers? And many other issues, and many other issues like that. Another question that I want to answer before we go into these, because we're going to study Imam Abu Hanifa in great details, inshallah, in his madhab and how it came about, and Imam Malik, and Shafi'i, and Ahmed. But first of all, we have to understand these points. Is it obligatory? Of a, on a student of knowledge a student of knowledge if he wants to study fiqh that he goes through the madhab way has to study through a madhab way and that he's prohibited from going to any other books that are not madhabs is that the case? no what we have to understand is it's whatever allows you to understand the kitab and the sunnah this is a means, if there's any other means that will allow you to understand the Qur'an and the Sunnah and have fiqh of it, it's permissible and you're allowed to study it. You are allowed to study it. Like for example, the Kitab Al-Iqna' Ibn Al-Mundhir and the Kitab Al-Durar Al-Bahiyya Fi Al-Masail Al-Fiqiyya written by Muhammad Ibn Ali Shawkani with his own Sharah Al-Darar Al-Mudiyya and also the Sharah of uh, Siddiq Hassan Khan which is can a person study those books? Because those books are not madhabs. And even Manhaj al-Sarikin by Nasr al-Sa'di. That's not Kutub al-Madhab. These books are not Kutub al-Madhab. Question here is, can a person say, I just want to do Durr al-Bahiyya. I'm going to study this book. And I don't want to go through this whole madhab process. What do we say in this situation? It's permissible. If you're going to understand the Qur'an and the Sunnah through it, you don't have to necessarily go through a madhab. But, is it easier to go through a madhab? Ha, it's easier. It's easier to get to your goal. It's easier to attain great understanding. It's easier. But to say it's obligatory for you to go through kutub al-madhab, that's ghayru sahih. Are we all together? And it's not permissible to do tadiq, tighten something which is wasi' and to prohibit that which is mubah. Another issue is, if a person studies a kutub al-madhab, he's studying kutub al-madhab, he's studying it, because we said that it's good, right? It's easier, it's faster to understand fiqh, the way that they broke it down and the way they simplified it. If that's the case, is a person allowed to study a kutub al-madhab 
and if he sees an issue in it, can he go out, it, out of it? Is he allowed to go out? Or is it that he's studying this book, he has to restrict himself to this book? For example, a person is studying Matlabi Shuja' and Fiqh Shafi'i. Does he have to stick to this book and not go outside it? Or is he allowed to go out? The person is either one of two. If he's a mujtahid, then la shakka wa la raib, he's not allowed to. If he's a mujtahid, meaning he's reached a level to look at the Quran and the Sunnah, then it's obligatory on him to look at the Quran and the Sunnah and take the, what the Quran and the Sunnah says. And he's not allowed to take the statement of a person. The second person is a person who is a muqallid, let's say. A person who is a muqallid, a blind follower. The muqallid has to take from a teacher who gives him the evidence. And we look together, brothers. And he has to take and trust his teacher. What does he do? He trusts the teacher who's teaching him. Well, some people, this is what I see in them. I'm teaching a kitab, Mata Abi Shuja'a. I, Abdurrahman, مثلا, I'm somebody else who's teaching it, will see that the metan here is wrong. I have one of two. I've, I'm reading a kitab for you, I'm teaching you. You're studying this book with me, this Matabi Shuja' with me. Kitab min it's a kitab min Matabi Shafi'i. I see this mas'ala is wrong. But the Imam wrote it in the book. One of two paths is open for me. For me to say, I'm not going to tell, I'm gonna, let's just stick to the book. And the second one is, to say, no, it's wrong. Are we all together? And correct what's in the book. The right way is that I have to correct it. Because if I leave you with something I believe is wrong, I've deceived you. And what was my responsibility? To tell you what's right from? I might be wrong, the book might be right. That's That's besides the point. The point is, I'm, my responsibility that's placed on me is to tell what I believe to be right. When I'm explaining this book to you. Because Allah Ta'ala He said, You tell the, you clarify the issue to the people and you do not conceal, you not, you do not conceal it, and you don't hide it. Are we all together? They believe that touching the woman breaks her wudu. I just go over it. This person is going and he's touching his mom and he's touching his wife and he's touching and he's not doing wudu from it. Uh, so he's doing wudu from it. And I believe what he's doing is wrong. They mentioned that you have to utter the intention. You say, You have to pronounce your intention. I come across it and I look at it and I just go over it. And I know the person next to me, I teach him and I'm not telling him that what he studied and what he took is wrong. Is that correct? Is that correct for me to do that? No, it's not correct for me. I have to clarify to him what I believe is right from what I believe is wrong. As a teacher, it's your responsibility. And you have to clarify it for him. And not watch the person being upon a mistake that you know is opposite. All based on the opinion which is He's a beginner He will get to the point where he will understand So you're going to watch him do wrong You're going to watch him say And do talafudu bin niya Wa ma ila dhalika Other than that 
Are we all together? So the teacher's responsibility is to clarify. The teacher may be wrong. When the student lands, he might re realize that the teacher, what he said was wrong. And the metal was right. Are we all together, brothers? But the point at that moment is, you gave them what you believe to be right. And we're going to come to the mas'ala. How do we know what's rajih and what's not? We'll come to that, inshallah ta'ala. Here another question that arises Which is this person is a beginner This person is a beginner If you give him the evidences Or you give him what is strong from what is weak He doesn't know how to distinguish it He's a beginner He's just a blind follower How would you do that to him? This implies that the statement of the scholar is easier to understand than the Quran and the Sunnah. Huh? When you say that, you're saying that understanding the kalam of an imam is actually easier than the understanding of a what? A delete from the Quran and the Sunnah. And later what I'm going to do is going to bring you examples that it's a lot of the times it's easier to understand the qawlur when, when a mas'ala is mentioned. Like for example, let's take the kitab Az-Zad. Let's look at Kutub al-Shafi'iyya as well. How much, how, do they, how, much, how much do they divide the water into? They, they say tahirun mutahir. And they say tahirun ghayr mutahirin. And they're najas. No, that's not, it doesn't exist. The only thing is Tahir and his Najas. Isn't it easier for me to tell him Qawlul Rajah? Then instead of going putting him through this whole process of three, when one is actually not, it doesn't exist. And the Tahqiq, when we go to the bottom of it. Are we all together, brothers? So it's actually easier sometimes to give the evidence and the simplicity of it. Here the question is, Another question. Because of time, we won't, able to be, go, we won't go, be able to go through every point. Some people will say, you have to follow the madhab. The reason is because, this is the only way to understand fiqh. And since it's the easiest way, it has to be obligatory. Are we all together, brothers? Tadarruj. No, Tadarruj only shows us that it's easier that way. What does it show us? It shows us that it's easier to study the madhab like this, but it doesn't show obligation. Until now, we have no evidence to say it's obligatory. Nor do we have any evidence to say that the haqq is restricted in these four imams. Are we all together, brothers? But yes, it's easier. For example, Imam Ibn Qudamah's Kutubs. He wrote the Kitab Umda. Once you finish it, you go for the Muqni'ah. Once you finish it, Al-Kafi. Once you finish it, you go to the Muqni. Yahya Sarsari, as Ibn Raja mentions in his Kitab, he brought it all together and he said, he said, Kafal Khalqi bil Kafi wa aqna'a taliban bi Muqni'i fiqhin an kitabin mutawwali wa umdatuhu man ya'tamidha yuhassili وأغنى بمغني الفقه مكان باحثا وعمدته من يعتمدها يحصلي 
وروضته ذات الأصول كروضة أماست بها الأزهار أنفاس شمألي تدل على المنطوق أوفى دلالة وتحمل في المفهوم أحسن محملي يمشي دفوه بوكس ودري منشن مقنع عمدة مقنع كافي الكافي أن لوات مغني يس استدرج لايك ذات يقول وانت افتر ذي اذا اند يو دو ات لايك ذات اف يو وانت تو بس ات دزنت شو اتس اوبليكتوري او يو توجذر براذرز كتب الشافعيه يو ستارت فروم متى بيشجع يو فينيش ات يو جو تو ياقوت النفيس يو فينيش ات يو افتر ياقوت النفيس يو جو تو الزبد لابن الرسلان يو فينيش ات يو جو تو عمده سالك وعده الناسك لابن النقيب المصري يو فينيش ات اند يو جو تو منهاج باي النووي This helps you, لا شك. But it doesn't make it obligatory and that you have to, that you have to follow the madhabs. There's a lot of points that can be mentioned. But due to the time, I won't be able to go through it and we have the other class to give. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me, shaytan and Allah and his messenger are free from it. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أستغفرك وأتوب إليه. I think it's only 15 minutes and I was going to go through grammar today. صح؟ introduction to how the madhab is now. Let's تمدد today and all next week let's do grammar. إن شاء الله تعالى. Any other questions? Say that again. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he pushed the opinion that if a man divorces his wife with three talaq, that it's not considered three, it's only one. Are we all together? Because of the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, which is Ahd Abi Bakr, the time of Abu Bakr and Umar, and the last stages of the Khilafah of Umar, عنه, the talaq of three was considered one. Shaykh al Islam Taymi looks at this and says, This is my argument. Are you with me, brothers? And these other scholars, they opposite is what they argued. The best research I came across, me personally, is Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shanqiti. Go to the ayah, At-Talaqu, At-Talaqu Marratan. Go to that ayah. Get Adwa'u Al-Bayanu Fi Idahi Al-Qur'ani Bil-Qur'an. Read what Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shanqiti says. He's of the opposite opinion of Ibn Taymiyyah, he's against him. He said it's actually three. But read it. I think he does the most balanced, the most fairest, and the strongest argument in my humble opinion. In my humble opinion. But this is one issue I mentioned recently. It's one of those issues, huh? My views keep changing regarding it. It keeps changing. One month I'm saying this, and the other month I'm saying something else. I don't give any answers to this question. When people ask me, I say, go to somebody else and ask them of what you think. What they think. But it's dangerous for a man to say to his wife, I divorce you three. Say one. 
leave some for yourself. No. No, this is a good point, which is Imam Ahmed and Imam Ahmed said that don't blind follow me and don't blind follow Sufyan al Thawri. They were talking to students who they knew could research. Look at the kalam of Imam Ahmed. What did he say? He said, Inni ajibtu ila isnada. I knew the chain. Wasihatawa, and they know its authenticity. Akin Ami doesn't know any of that. Are we all together? So Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, what did he say in the Quran? Fasalu. Fasalu ala dhikri in kutum la ta'alamun. Are we all together? But what I'm against is for a Allah told us to go to Ahli Dhikri, right? That means go to a, a person you believe, you trust, say, teach me fiqh. You can't say to him, teach me this madhab, and I don't go outside the madhab, restrict yourself to within the madhab. You're ammi. You have to trust this person you asked. What do you have to do? Whatever tarjih he gives you, whatever tarjih he gives you, you take it. You're ammi. And we're all together, brothers. That's what the ayah shows. Whatever views he pushes, because you trusted him, he's got ilm, He's got deen and he's got wara. Are you with me? What was the line of poetry? There's another shatr, I forgot it. Oh. Anyways, it means, you know, uh, you go to a person who you believe in his knowledge and his deen and his tadayun and whatever, and you go and you ask him. He's got ilm, he's got deen and he's got wara. Three things he has to have, not just knowledge. Has to have knowledge, he's got religion, and he's a person who stays away from haram. You found that person, ask him and take it from him. After that, there's nothing upon you. Whatever he calls you to, if you take it, there's nothing upon you. You've done what Allah commanded you, which is first Alu Ahli Dhikri. You've asked Ahlu Dhikr. Are we all together? But as Ahlu, as an army, you can't say, which madhab are you teaching me? No, I don't want that madhab. Are you with me, brothers? No. So Naam, it's a very good question. How do you reconcile between we follow the Quran and the Sunnah and the statement where we say we follow the Quran and the Sunnah on the understanding of the uh, on the Salaf? Can anyone try to answer that question before I do? When you go against Abu Bakr in this issue, who are you going to follow after that? Mithal ibn Abbas, Abu Huraira. So you still follow the Salaf. When we say Ali, the, the, you follow madhab is what? Al-Quran was sunnah It's two things. Either something they all agreed upon, then of course you have to follow all of them. 
or it's a different issue which they differed on, and you follow one group and you, you dismiss the other. Have you followed the Salaf in this issue? You have, right? Naam. So here when we said Ibn Abbas, we don't take it, sorry, Umar and Abu Bakr, the issue of tamattu, do we take it from them? Huh? We don't take it from them. Who do we take it from? Abdullah ibn Abbas and Abdullah ibn Umar. So have we followed the Salaf? We have followed the Salaf. Can a Shafi'i woman marry a Hanafi man? You think this is a joke, but it's written in Qutb al-Fiqh, you know that, right? When they talk about al-akfa' fi zawaj compatibility for marriage. Shafi'iyah believe some of the mutakhiri Shafi'iyah mention six conditions. An-nasabu wa deenu wa al-malu and they add it into their madhab. You know what? Al-akfa' fi zawaj means compatibility in marriage. Age and what and lineage and what and then they say they have to be same madhab. Shafi'i cannot marry a Hanafi. And a Hanafi says no, you, a Shafi'i. It's actually present in some of the places in the world right now. If you go to it, some madahibs don't marry each other. You kafiru ba'dun ba'da, they do takfir of one another. So, it's common, it's very common. Even in the UK, where you, you know, madahibs and things are slightly dying out. In the sense where people are really, their religion is dying out, forget madhab. <laughs> in that situation, you still find, I remember one time I walked into a masjid. So they put green light on. The times that you're not allowed to pray, they, there's a green light that's on <laughs> when you come into the masjid. So I didn't know what this green light was for. I just walked in, minded my own business. Allahu Akbar. Wallah, he grabbed me from the collar. I'm in the middle of the salah. He dragged me. I looked, the salah has gone. He turned me from the qibla, everything. I said, what's the, what's the problem? What happened? He goes, can you not see the light is on? I said, what's the light for? He said, read the, the, the side of the wall. I said, I read the side. It says, these are the times, you, basically you can't pray at these times. I said to him, are you Hanafi? He said, no. The Hanafi. I said to him, I'm not a Hanafi. I'm not of that madhab that you believe. I believe Salat, the Watul Asbab, if the Salat doesn't have, if it has a purpose, you can pray it. The Salats that are prohibited are the ones that don't have a purpose. And I tried to break it down for him. He said, Ya Rajul. He's looking back to me. He said, Listen, brother. Brother. If you're not Hanafi, get out of our masjid. Wallahi. Hakada, ta'asub. One time I was meant to do a khutbah in a masjid. From the minute I walked into the masjid, the minute I walked in, he said to us, well, you know, this masjid is a Hanafi masjid. That's the, the, guy, the man was standing in front of the door who was taking the sadaqah money. And I came in. I was told to go into the office. When I came into the office, the brother who's in the office says, Brother, just want to let you know, we're Hanafis. Okay, Jazakumullah khairan. When I came to sit on the pulpit to do the khutbah, the brother who's going to do the adhan, he said, Brother, just to let you know, we're Hanafis. Like he's trying to remind me, don't do anything that goes against our bedhab. The khutbah, 
the khutbah and everything has to be according to the madhab. So it's very dangerous, the madhabs and this ta'asub. Okay, let me first one, first point. First point is compa- looking, starting with comparative fiqh. That's very hard. Because when you say comparative fiqh, fiqh al-muqaran, it's like you're looking at all of the aqwal in a mas'ala. There might be 20 views in this issue. Hmm. So if your teacher taught you some way, that's one view he's going to give you. He's going to say, this is the strongest, take it from me. Just know the book that you're... Ta- the beauty about it is that when he's studying the madhab, he learns that the Shafi'iyah believe this. And he learns what's strong. He, what's strong here is very subjective. La shak. Because later, you might, you might say to yourself, Shaykh, Wallah, may Allah honor you. Wallah, when you told us this, it's actually, the text was right. But that's not the point. The sheikh has to fear Allah in what he believes. He has to give what he believes. Are you with me? He has to give what he believes. The student takes that view. Takes what his teacher says. Because he's an ammi. He doesn't know anything. So he writes it. He takes it. He studies the next book. Next book. Next book. Next book. Next book. Now he reaches. The views are being open for him. The teacher is going to be like, this is the view, this. And this is the evidence. This is this group. It's their evidence. This group. This is the evidence. This group. This is the evidence. This group. This is the evidence. The student will say, hey, yeah. How do you respond to each point? Five views. Five evidences. Each response and then the view that's strongest. The student might say, teacher, the tarjih, the way you strengthened it, I don't agree with you. I would say, this is the most stronger one. Are we all together? But before that, the teacher just has to give what he believes is the truth. Are you with me? I'm against those who say, don't say anything. Just stick to the text. Don't add anything. Don't deduct. And that means you're telling the person something you believe which is wrong. You believe it's not right. And you're watching a person do it. That's khiyana. That's deception. Isn't that deception? That's wrong. What's your job? What are you meant to do as a teacher? I have to tell you what I believe is right. Whether I'm right or wrong. That's my, what I believe. Are you with me, brothers? My research has reached that this is right. Are you with me, brothers? So, that's how. On YouTube, if you watch it, every mas'ala, I bring the delil for it, I discuss it, and then we move on to the next point. I didn't teach it on the madhab. madhab said this. Are you with me, brothers? Nor did I go into too much details in the sense where I bring furu'at and examples and many views and I confuse the person. No, the book is not like that. The book is a beginner book. Just like we did a durrul bahiyya, every mas'ala, what did we bring for it? Huh? Every point that we brought, we brought evidence for it. But was the usage of each evidence, was that accurate? No, that's something else. I might be wrong. Are you with me, brothers? Well, my humble opinion is 
the kitab al-durar al-bahiyya fil masail al-fiqiyya is the strong one of the strongest textbooks when it comes to fiqh actually tahqiq when you look at dalil 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 it's the strongest but even then i still believe following starting with the kutub al-madhhab like that is easier are you with me brothers Yeah, some masail which some masail are khata rajah al marjuh. It's nothing. And some masail they're bid'ah. Like for issue of an nathru al dhakar. Nathru al dhakar means after the person urinates, his private part, he has to get the urine out of it. And some of the madahibs, if you read the way they talk about it, like he has to pull it out. Adab. This is musajjal. This is Shaykh al Islam Taymi said, this is bid'ah. Ma anzal Allah biha min sultan. If the person urine finishes and they clean themselves, they can go. Are you with me? The issue of qunut goes back to a mas'ala which is that the Prophet ﷺ had done qunut when a nazila min al-nawazil happened. How long is that nazila? What is the nawazil? When does it stop? Where does it stop? Is the hadith sahih? Is the faham sahih? I think this is more closer to a mas'ala ijtihadiyah than a mas'ala bid'a or not. Lakin the thing that can be said bid'a is at-talafudu bin niyya mathalan. Kutub al-Madhab mentioned that. At-talafudu bin niyya. Are you with me, brothers? That's a bid'a. So there is some issues which are bid'a that Madhab has mentioned. They have no delete for it. Especially within the Madhabs, they came into it people who don't even know what? Hadith. hadith. For example, let me give you ala sabili tamthil. Shafi'iya, for example. Shafi'i, one of the imams of the madhab is who? Abi Ma'ali al-Juwayni. Imam al-Haramain, right? Abi Ma'ali al-Juwayni has a kitab called Nihayatul Matlab fi Dirayat al-Madhab. The kitab, I think, is 35 volumes. Brothers, what is it? 35 volumes. What would you think? And it's a fiqh book. What would you expect a book that's 35 volumes? What do you expect it to be in there? Full of hadiths, right? One time, he tried to reference a hadith, either in Bukhari or Muslim, one of the two. He got it wrong. One time, 35 volumes. From which book? Not Sunabi, Sunani Darimi or... Akhi, no. Where? Bukhari, he got it wrong. Are you with me, brothers? Abi Hamid al-Ghazali... He's the author, he wrote Kitab al-Basit, wal-Wasit, wal-Wajiz, wal-Muharrar. And then, uh, no, Muharrar is al-Rafi'i. He wrote al-Wasit, al-Basit, al-Basit, al-Wasit, al-Wajiz. And then he wrote al-Khulasa. Within the Madhab al-Shafi'i. Guess when he, he saw Sahih al-Bukhari in the last stages of his life. Kullu man tarajjamalahu. Everyone who spoke about Abu Hamid al-Ghazali's life. And he's the imam min a'immatil kibar in fiqh al-Shafi'i. They said that when it came to hadith, he was Hatibul al-layl. He was a... Meaning he was somebody whose hadith was... Are you with me, brothers? They didn't know hadith. So where do you take fiqh from? 
So this is what's happened to some of the madahibs, brothers. Dillatul ilm bil hadith, little knowledge of hadith, and then, you know, the issue just really became views. They just transmitted aqwal. La shaka, they played their role. Are you with me, brothers? Back in. No. The early books, for me personally, when it comes to Madhab al-Hanabila, I personally believe, like example, the early scholars are better. Ibn Qudama, rahimahullah, his books would be better. Lakin, today when they look at Akhtasar al-Muqtasarat and Dalil al-Talib, they do the mutaakhirin and they make their way like that. And all of this was set by al-Mardawi. He set this rule. It's again, whichever will allow you to understand the Qur'an and the Sunnah. It's a, it's, it's a means. So there's no right or wrong. It's whatever will allow you to understand the Qur'an and the Sunnah. That's the goal here. The means, if you want to go through the mutaakhirin or the mutaqaddimin, like it is easier to go through the mutaakhirin because the ibarat is sahla. The ibarat is easier, the meaning the, the, the terminology that they use. The Arabic is more easier. Because remember, each scholar, the reason why the books have been written is because the generations who are coming, they can't keep up with the Arabic. Sah. Why is it that you can read Ibn Uthaymi's works, but you can't read Ibn Uthaymi's works? Sah. It's because Ibn Uthaymi's words are what? They're very easier to understand, and the way he made it easy, sah? You can say he is one of the people, subhanallah, who made fiqh like water. And I staghrib, when I read Zad by Ibn Uthaymeen. How he got that ability. Wallahi, Zad is one of the hardest books in the Madhab. It's a big book, man. It's not a joke. How he teaches it like it's... Like he's teaching you the first book. Rahimahullah, rahmatan wasiyah. So the point is, the mutaakhirin will help you a lot. They will help you uh, a lot. Kutub Shafi'i, inshallah. That's the, 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 that's, that's the way. That's the way about it, inshallah. Shafi'iya, all day, every day, sah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruhu wa taufiqhu.